Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne, and I'm the media host for Thrive Today and the founder and podcaster for Innovation Meets Leadership. Our primary focus at Thrive Today is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it to your relevance in your nine to five and your success at work. Guys, today I'm speaking to one of the people that wrote in our premiere edition of the Thrive Today magazine, Kene Iluinyose. And he is a career coach, he's a speaker, and you know, he is driven to help people discover who they are and live that out as part of their purpose in the work that they do. He's the author of Finding Your Sweet Spot, DNA of Talent, and a soon-to-be-published Putting Your Purpose to Work. His company, Talent Revolution, helps people identify their career sweet spot based on their natural abilities. Welcome to the podcast, Kene. Natalie, it is great to be with you again, and I'm glad to be on this edition of uh, Thrive Today. I'm so glad. To, I'm so happy with what you guys are doing, and thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, you wrote your article, and I loved it, in this premiere edition of the Thrive Today magazine on coaching the generations. And it was such a great article that really unpacks the different nuances that we've all felt being in the workplace of the different generations and the different energies and challenges and fun and frustration, right, that all of us in our different generations bring to the table. So I'd love to just dig right in and talk a little bit about some of these nuances, some of these challenges that you personally have seen coaching all the different generations. The challenges, I'm not even sure if I'll label them as challenges. It's just the nuances of connecting and understanding each generation. I think coaches today have to do more work in understanding the younger generation. You find that Younger coaches, coaches who are like millennials, younger millennials, they find it easier to connect with people closer to their generation. But I'm an Xer. So (laughs) I'm an Xer. So I connect with the boomers who don't necessarily like Xers and the millennials and Zs who sort of tolerate Xers. So I'm in a precarious position, but it's been quite interesting. It's been quite interesting working with the different generations. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I fall right on the line. So depending on what article I'm reading, I'm either an Xer or I'm a millennial, which when I read the profile of an Xer, I feel like that's more me. But there are a lot of nuances out there, right? So let's speak to some of these things. Like when you think about the differences of how you approach the, you know, Gen Y versus Gen X versus, you know, boomers, like, what are some of the things? Do you always use the same tools? Do you approach language or conversation differently with them? Do you coach them differently as a result of, of these differences? Well, first of all, I don't, with coaching the different generations, I'm not even looking at them in the context of, of their generation. Again, if you remember the things we talked about way back with the way I coach, I'm looking at the person based on how they are wired. Regardless of what generation you're in, your unique abilities determine how you function. So I always start from that approach. And then when the generational differences now come in, that has to do with how they deal with management, how they deal with certain approaches to work, 
some of those things, some of those conversations, I just stay away from because I'm like, okay, you need someone who is going to take you deeper into leadership. Uh, well, right now, let's help you understand how you are wired and how you can make your mark in your time. The key difference, and I and I said this in my article, between boomers and Xers, millennials and Gen Zs, is in the why they come for coaching. Boomers and Xers are more focused on okay, the progression up the corporate ladder. Ys and Zs are not really focused on the corporate ladder. Are we saying they don't want to grow? Yes, they do, but their motivations are different. And often you don't even have to talk to them about their motivation. It's there. And so I, I try to focus more on, okay, how do I help you understand how you're wired and help you use your abilities to achieve the things that motivate you? Wow. This is interesting because I just kind of immediately as I hear you talking, I think about the disruption that's going to happen in the workforce because of the difference of wiring. The things that people value, I feel like, are, are going to change or are changing. And so we have to really understand what people value. And so offering somebody that next rung on the ladder may not be what motivates them. And so if we come into it thinking that it's motivating them, that could actually end up being a turnoff. It often is. It often is. I'll give you a quick example. I have a have a close friend who is, she's a millennial. She put in her, well, she didn't give them a two weeks notice. She gave them a three weeks notice. And at her job and like, her boss and her boss's boss are saying, hey, what can we do? We're going to give you more money. We're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. And she's like, there are certain things I've been asking for for such a long time. I, w- <laughs> I want my nights free. I don't want to work on weekends. Yes. I mean, she's, she's not looking for more money. Yeah. And so thinking about promotion and more money is not always, those are not always the things people are asking for. Wow, that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just have me thinking that, you know, we need to, as leaders, as managers, we need to blow up our previous thought about ways that we lead people and coach people. Because to me, it starts with that Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? It's different for everybody, what they care about, what matters to them. One of the things we've seen with COVID and with all this stuff that's happened in, you know, 2020 and is still going on now in 2021 is we've seen people mass exodus to Hawaii and Florida to move and to live. And that's because of the freedom and flexibility that exists in those other, you know, I can now work from the beach. It's no longer about working from home. Like that's so 10 years ago. It's about being able to work from anywhere. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I am laughing because you still, have, well, there's some companies that were now saying, okay, come back to work, come back to work, come back to the office. And then this Delta variant started and they're like, okay, don't come back to work. I'm like, everybody's telling you they don't want to come back to the office. They're more productive at home. Yeah. But yeah. that mindset, and really it's, it's a mindset issue. That mindset is still saying, no, you have to be back in the office. It just makes no sense. 
It doesn't. And I think, again, you have to think about the type of culture, the company culture that you want to have and, and the type of talent that you want access to. So if you want access to the best talent, you need to provide the highest level of flexibility, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things I always tell my team is like, go where it inspires you. So I'm looking for your outcomes. We sit down and we agree on what your outcomes are. That means that if you can hit your outcomes from a coffee shop, that's where you should hit them from. And yes, there may be certain times where we need to get together or it might make more sense for us to collaborate. But again, things are going so digital now and we've had to, we've had the uh, baptism by fire, right? Of the digital (laughs) age in 2020 that we now understand that we can even, there are tools and things like that, that we can even use like Mural, which is an online whiteboard that lets you do that collaboration from where you're at and not having to force everyone to find a way to get in the same room all the time. It's easier. It is cheaper. Back in the days when we, people were talking about online collaboration or virtual meetings, it was like WebEx or Cisco, which were more expensive back then. But now all, all of them are cheaper. All these tools are so easy to implement. And I wonder, okay, what are these people thinking? If you are not in construction where you have to build a structure, <laughs> Most things can be done from anywhere. Yeah. That's the truth. It's, yeah. So let's talk about leadership styles, right? So there may be some people listening to this podcast and they might fall into that older kind of old school model of leadership where it's like command and control. I need to see you. I need to know you're working. I kind of need to see the cheeks in the seats, as we say. <laughs> How do they make that shift to a generation of workforce that's coming that says, I don't want to be bound to an office. I don't want to be bound to an office chair. Maybe I don't even want to be bound to a city or state. I want to be able to work effectively and do it from anywhere. And I don't necessarily want you to pour more money on me or move me further up the chain. I just want to do a good job and add value and go do hobbies and live my life. What do we <laughs> see people who are leading these people and they're just kind of pulling their hair out because they don't know how to lead them? I say the problem for the most part is that we've been trying to get these leaders to look out. And you know, we're, we're asking them, okay, understand, which they should, understand what these people need. But we haven't asked them to do the internal work and understand and accept that they have an issue. Times have changed, but internally they have not changed. They, they have to come to the realization and acceptance that they need to change, for lack of a better term, that they are the problem. And it's a hard thing to accept. It is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so for someone to say, wow, okay, you know, I've been in the workforce for, for 20 years, 30 years. I know this, I'm an expert, but now I am the problem. That is tough. But once they can get to that place and accept that, okay, I am I'm the problem. The way I think is the problem. My concept to work is the problem. Is it bad? No. But going forward, will this be a hindrance to our productivity? Yes. Since I am the problem, what do I need to do to change myself? Because you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. You can't. And so till they do that internal work, they will try for a bit, you know, do things, cosmetic things to 
help and make it easy for people to work. But man, like I, I think John Maxwell always says this, you cannot hide from who you are. <laughs> It'll show Bad. back up. <laughs> you know? So what, what would that internal work look like? I'm just trying to think outside the box here, right? You know, you're listening to this podcast right now. Your hand accidentally went up when you said you are the problem. <laughs> First, it was like, yeah, for sure. But what is that like? Where does someone start? So they can listen to this. They can recognize that they're the problem. They can recognize that maybe they're stuck in a, a certain way of leading, a certain way of thinking, and they're not evolving their leadership. Where do they start? I'd say look for a coach. Now, they're, they're coaches who specialize in leadership development. Okay. One, and then even before the coach, the introspection of understanding, okay, where your hangups are. I tell people with introspection, you can understand how your idea and concept of work has evolved. You know, how did I get here? How did I learn about work growing up? What were those unconscious things that were fed into my psyche about work? Because again, in the, in, in, you know, what do, what do they call those? The seven, the seven step programs or 12 step programs. And they say the acceptance is the first step to solving your issue. So <laughs> when you accept that, okay, these are the things that got me here, you can start to pull those dominoes down. It's not always one leads to another, but you chip away at them because if you can't identify the specific things, the specific issues you have with people being in the office or not being in the office. It's just this vague, oh, I need to change. With coaching, ideal coaching does three things. I mean, in my philosophy, it has to be clear, clarity, simple, simplicity. And then in working with someone, it has to be fun. So clarity, what are those specific things I need to work on. And for everyone, it's different. So people need to dive deep and figure out, okay, is it the type of people I work with? Is it the environment? Is it the time? Some people are like, okay, you have to be up at 5 a.m. and be at the office by 7 a.m. Go granular. Just list out the things. And then simplicity. Start taking things, okay, one at a time. Don't try to handle too much. Keep it simple. And then what about fun? Like what what does that look like? (laughs) (laughs) Fun is before fun before you even start working with a coach, don't take yourself seriously. Mm -hmm. Don't take yourself seriously. If you have the um, I don't want to say capacity, if you have the courage to ask someone to hold you accountable, you know, okay, this is something I'm working on. And if you see me defaulting back to the old me, you know, may, I mean, say something funny or say, wow, okay, I see Groucho Max is coming back out. It's something that just gets the person to say, okay, oh, hey, get a grip, get a grip. That's so good. You know, as, as I listen to you talk, one of the things that just hits me so hard in this conversation is... Sam Chan just released a book called On Conflict, and he talks about conflict being the gap between you know what you expected and what was actually delivered. And what I've found is that every time there's a gap in the generation, 
we have to be more clear about outlining our expectations and the outcomes that we want. And so, you know, for example, when you were talking about, hey, sit down and really outline, I think a lot of times there's in our mind these expectations we have. Okay, I expect people to be here at 8 a.m. and I expect them to be at their desk until five. And I expect this, that, the other, but get to the heart of like, what is it? Why is that? What is it that's really going on behind the scenes? And it's like, well, I need these things delivered or well, I need to have access to you to ask you questions throughout the day. So let's really get to the heart of why do you feel you need someone in their desk from eight to five? Let's outline that. And then the real conversation to have with that person is, hey, sometimes when you work from home, I don't feel like you respond to me. So it actually worries me that, you know, you're working from home because it doesn't feel like your ideal environment is set up. Sometimes it takes you a whole day to get back to me when you're working from home. And so there, then I don't feel like you're working. It's like, let's get to the heart of what the expectation is and what Mm -hmm. the gap is. Mm -hmm. And so the person may say, oh, well, I get a little bit more distracted at home. So I turned everything on off and I was working on a project. Oh, well, I thought you just were at the park, you know, <laughs> and then you can have real dialogue versus because I think what happens is when you have an expectation that's very rigid and someone's just not hitting that, they're not even in the ballpark. We start building a case in our mind against that person. Oh, well, they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And then next thing we know, there's this rift. And so there's social norms I feel like most people have at work that they've learned just as a result of whatever company they've been to. But for people who are coming into the workforce and have never been at a formalized company, they haven't learned these social norms. So sometimes we have to, what feels like common sense to us, we have to really sit down and spell out the expectation and the outcome. Otherwise, we just have such a huge gap there. It is communication. There's something you talked about that brought up something else in my mind. As people start to, leaders start to ask those, okay, expectation questions, um, what do they expect from people, and ask why they have those expectations, some of the things they might start to realize is that, wow, maybe I have a control issue. (laughs) Again, that's the hard knock. Yeah, maybe I do have a control issue. Maybe that is something I need to really work on, you know, because if you set the expectation on results and timeline, if they get the results done in the time set, what's the problem? Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so I find that a lot of people, I mean, where, hey, I'm talking to myself. We have control. We all have control issues. And till we recognize that, okay, these things are my issues, it's harder for us to cut people slack or even get to the place where it's easier for us to let them be who and how they are without throwing a fit. Am I saying that, you know, with control issues, so I keep going back to that. I may not get over that internal angst, but I'm now at a point where I'm not letting it out and I'm, I can laugh at myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did you call yourself earlier? The Groucho? <laughs> Groucho, Groucho Marx. I, I think that's, that's some story somewhere. Groucho Marx. Yeah. Seriously, you know, 
That's so good. I, I think that there's this idea that you're you're leaning into a vulnerability and transparency too. So before, you know, we didn't do it at all. Then it was like, okay, we do it, but it kind of goes one way. And I think 2020 has taught us that as leaders, it needs to go both ways. Like we need to tell people we're controlling and ask people to just help us with that. Even our employees, like, hey, so what bad behaviors do you have? Okay, well, when I get stressed out, I get snappy. So can you call me on that? Can you tell me, hey, it's, you know, <laughs> we have a little joke about, you know, naming that that grouchy person, kind of similar to you, name it and tell the person, hey, you're there, you're, you're over the line at this point, right? So we have to, vulnerability has to go both ways. We can't expect our employees to be vulnerable with us if we're not willing to be vulnerable with them. And the days of pretending we don't have flaws, I think it's just, it's so gone. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I'm glad you used the word pretend because the person who is pretending is pretending to themselves. Because every, everybody sees that, okay, wow, okay, you have control issues, but nobody is saying anything. <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> you help, but it is so much freeing. It is so liberating if you admit what everybody already knows. Right? <laughs> like, okay, all right, he's he admits it, he admits it, and people cut you more slack when they know that, okay, yeah. hey, this is something that I struggle with, and they know it. So, when you snap, they know, okay, Kenna is not being a jerk. He's working on it. <laughs> He's working on it. You know, I, I, my, my, my team on the executive communication side, they know I am not a morning person. Really? That shocks me. Ooh, I am not a, I can, I wake up in the morning. I wake up early when I need to, but don't come early in the morning while we're having breakfast and start talking. And I'm like, I, it's an instant, uh-uh, mm-mm-mm. just low decibels, single words. Don't try to have a long conversation with me in the morning. <laughs> Let me have my breakfast in peace. You know, don't, oh man, yeah. It, it's taken a long time to learn, but now they understand. So when, because we have, again, different personalities, high functioning extroverts, and the high-functioning extroverts, man, by 6 a.m., they are ready to go. Yeah. And every now and then, I'm like, can you just... Take it down a notch. Yeah, it's like, okay, <laughs> it's all right. Well, at 9 a.m., we can have this conversation. But right now, let's just enjoy breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. So my kind of final question for you is... You know, I would love to, you kind of mentioned coaching earlier and leaning into coaching as just a natural part of your leadership journey, which I think every leader should do. If you lead anybody, yeah. you should be, you should have a coach. Talk to me a little bit about what you hope for your clients. Like when you take on a new client and they tell you, hey, Kane, I have this, this problem, there's this thing I'm trying to solve. What is your hope for them? And like, what are some of the things you're seeing that you're excited about for them that you know they'll begin to see in themselves as they take that journey? So with my coaching, and, I, I tr and I'm pushing myself to stay very, um, I don't want to use the term niche, but very focused on the type of coaching I do, helping people put their purpose to work. 
mm-hmm. understanding how people are wired and how that translates into their career path. And so when I work with people, the first thing I want them to understand is their unique value. How are you wired? Your combination of abilities make you unique for certain things. And it's amazing. The more I work with people, the more I see how much people lack that understanding. A lot of people go to work and it's based on a skill. That certain things they do without thinking and they don't recognize that as a natural ability. So I want people to understand their value based on what their natural abilities are. And then secondly, how they can combine all those into a career path that they're excited about. If I've done those two things, I'm a happy camper. I love that. And I know personally that you and I have had several coaching conversations and you've helped me understand pretty deeply my style of learning and why I'm wired the way I am. And that's such a huge thing, I think, for people to understand the why behind the way they're wired, because that leans into what you're going to be naturally good at and enjoy. And so if you're in your natural sweet spot, as you call it, then it also helps you to operate from a place where you can, as our person on our podcast last time, Amy Balog said, lead from a place of peace, not performance. And so just weaving kind of all these concepts together, I think makes us a better, better leader, more intentional and uh, just able to show up differently, which is what we all uh, strive to do is to show up the way we, we want to show up, not the, yeah. uh, the Groucho. <laughs> not, not the Groucho, not the Groucho, not the Groucho. Now, it, operating in your sweet spot does not mean that the Groucho will not come up every now and then, but you can laugh at the Groucho when he, he or she comes up. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Amy. Amy is such an, an amazing person, and I've gotten to know her. You introduced her and I, and we've yeah. just become such wonderful friends. And the concept of peace over performance is something that I keep going back to because in your sweet spot, you are operating out of your natural state. Mm-hmm. And so you're not, I mean, you know, going back to Amy's context, you're not trying to perform. Form. You stop trying to perform. You're giving out of your natural state, how you naturally are, how you're wired, what you have to give. And it's, it's a different space to be in. And man, the excitement, the, the joy never stops. When I get letters of, you know, from clients who have moved into that space, because after the coaching session, it, it does take a while to work on the things we've worked on. Yeah implement them, test them out, and get into that sweet spot. And those letters keep me fired up. Oh, man. It's, it's yeah. I love that. Where can people follow you? Where can they find you? Website is talentrevolution.me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well, uh, and Instagram is at talentrevolution. And my new book comes out where the goal is end of September, but awesome. publishing, there's just so many hiccups that can happen. But right now, we are, our target is end of September. And that's the new book, Putting Your Purpose to Work. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for that book. I am. I am. It's like uh, never had a, every time I use this analogy, women say, hey, you've never had a baby, so just shut up. 
but i'm like you know the analogy is like trying to birth a baby and it's like come on okay it's it's taking long come on out come on out. they're like can i you've never carried a child so you you cannot understand i'm like all right sorry sorry (laughs) i love that (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, oh, Kine. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And um, kudos to what you guys are doing at Thrive today. I can't wait to see how this evolves over the, the, the next few years and what it will do to society. Thank excited. you. Excited. I love that. Thank you. You're such an encourager and a supporter. Well, thank you to our listeners for joining the Thrive Today podcast. Be sure to follow, share, and subscribe as always to Thrive Today Women on your social media platforms and tell other women about this leadership podcast. So as you build your life, don't forget to establish a legacy of leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.